Hey, everybody, this is Sherman again. Thank you. Thank you, community. Thank you for being a part of all this. So today I have another poem. In my dialectic behavior therapy, which is a branch of cognitive therapy, or maybe they share a Venn diagram. I'm not sure <laughs> in my head right now how to represent them, but Dialectic behavior therapy is the ability to accept two things as being true at the same time, which in literary terms, you can think about uh, John Keats's negative capability, the ability to accept two things at time without the irritable uh, reach for reason. And Scott Fitzgerald said the sign of a superior mind is the ability to hold two opposing ideas at the same time. Now, I don't know about my superior mind, and I'm certainly not in the league with uh, Keats and, uh, I almost called them Gatsby, Keats and Fitzgerald, but in part of my therapy, I've been writing odes, honor songs for things you wouldn't think about writing honor songs for. So these are poems that directly spring out of my therapy uh, as I deal with my bipolar uh, illness and also with my PTSD. So here's one of those dialectic behavior poems and DBT poem, and it's called Ode to Lonely. In the United States, there are eight towns named Lone Tree. Two of them spell Lone Tree as one word, Lone Tree, which makes those small towns seem crowded and pushed together. In Fairview, California, there exists Lone Tree Cemetery, a name that makes sense at first when one considers the loneliness of grief, but on second thought, one must ask if it's possible for the dead to be lonely when they're buried in tight rows. In Illinois, there is a ghost town named Lone Tree Corners, which seems contradictory. Does loneliness have corners? Does loneliness take the form of rectangles, squares, and triangles? After all, a lone tree doesn't have corners. Or wait, a tree does indeed have corners when it is cut into lumber, and that geometric fact leads into a curveball question. Does a tree die when it's turned into lumber? Of course, I know that a tree, once felled, stops being a living thing. But isn't a tree given an afterlife when its lumber is used to build a house? Decades ago, when I was 20, I spent a New Year's Eve lonely and cornered in my house, if a studio apartment can be called a house. The corners were so close that I could almost touch opposite walls simultaneously. I was alone because I'd been exiled by my mother, and she was so powerful that my father and siblings obeyed her decree. Abandoned. I called the woman I fragilely loved who was in fragile love with me. Thirty miles away, she was at a party crowded with her friends. Hey, I called and said, ditch those people and drive to the city. Let's be together, please, please. 
but she was more excited to be at that New Year's celebration than to be alone with me. I didn't have a car, so I couldn't drive to her. And I kept asking over the phone, the landline, if she would travel to me. She promised that she'd head to my apartment as soon as the party died down. One minute past midnight, she said, I'll get in my Ford and speed to you. I waited all night. I didn't sleep. Instead, I watched a marathon of stand-up comedy specials on cable TV. It's astonishing to realize that a lonely person can laugh for eight hours straight. It requires resilience and curiosity. I hadn't yet learned how to write poetry, but please let me revise history and lie to you. Well, let me begin with the truth. I was hungry, but I only had one small box of white rice. There was only enough left for one serving, and I decided to fry the rice. But I was young and dumb. I'd never really learned how to cook. So I threw the raw rice into the third-hand pan and fried it with butter and salt. I didn't know that you need to boil the rice before you fry it. So I was shocked and distraught when I took my first bite of the rice and felt the crunch, crunch, crunch of what I hadn't properly made. I didn't realize that I could still boil the rice and maybe salvage the meal. So I just tossed the shit into the garbage can, and then I went hungry as I binged on comedy. And now, here, let's begin the revision. As I wept and laughed at the same time, I wrote my first poem. I wrote about how it felt to be lonely in the city. I wrote about how it felt to be a reservation Indian boy trapped in the city. I theorize that every Indian is lonely in every city. I rhyme diaspora with soul stolen by camera. I wrote about the blind salamander that only exists in one cave pond in Texas. I wrote about unrequited love. I wrote about Aristotle's belief that the object of comedy is, quote, the ridiculous, which is a species of the ugly. Unquote. I wrote about feeling ugly, about looking into the mirror and seeing a ridiculous Indian with ridiculous desire. I stuffed that amateur poem with all of the lonesome in the world. But being as resilient and curious as I've always been, I ended that poem with gratitude. Dear God, I wrote. Thank you for teaching me what it means to be a frail man enduring a physical and spiritual solitude. Thank you for the food that I couldn't eat. Thank you for the woman who didn't keep her promise. Thank you for my mother and her rage. Thank you for my father and siblings and their fear. Thank you for the comedians who turned their pain into punchlines. Thank you for electricity. Thank you for running water. Thank you for the bed blankets and heat. Thank you for teaching me how to turn my grief into poetry. Thank you 
for teaching me how to be the lone tree on the horizon. Thank you for that studio apartment. Thank you for making it a temporary monastery where I accepted that to be alone is to be human and that to pursue loneliness is a holy endeavor. To accept loneliness is to accept vulnerability. I'm unguarded. I'm undefended. I'm assailable. I'm an eagle feather in a hurricane. Thank you for teaching me that a city Indian's loneliness is beautiful. Thank you for rescuing me. No. Thank you for teaching me that I'm nobody's savior. Thank you for the tribulation of leaving my reservation. Thank you for the cacophonous safety of silence and for teaching me that exile can also be asylum.